0: What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above podcast extra. My name is Manuel Rustin, a.k.a. your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. And Passing Period is an extra little bonus that we like to put in between our full episodes of All the Above because those full episodes go up on our YouTube channel and it takes a while to edit all that video. So in between those episodes, we drop these Passing Periods just for you listeners. And I'm here with, with Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing? What's good today? Oh man, I I am doing well. All things considered, uh, <laughs> man. Well, which is we always got to qualify it's, it in twenty twenty. Always got to qualify it.
1: Yeah, you do, man. Because when you say all things considered, it's like eight hundred million things. So uh, despite that, I'm doing okay. Um, you know, we uh, we're very close to a major election here, and uh, oh,
0: is, it, is is this election season?
1: You hadn't heard from the 800 billion advertisements that you see on TV every day at the $75 worth of glossy, uh, you know, foldables that you get yeah, in the mail every stack.
0: day? You know, uh, an episode or two ago, we when we talked about that that race for school board in Los Angeles and I showed you the stack of 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 mailers I got for, you know, campaign mailers, like that stack has like doubled since then. And actually yeah. in that story, we said we were approaching a record for spending on a school board race and we have since broken the record when I say we uh, just you know society I guess whatever um, that record of campaign spending has been broken crazy crazy amounts but yeah I I look forward to no longer having to um, dig through a stack of, of campaign materials each time I check the mail so yeah word I feel you on that man completely so so yeah, all right so you know if you're joining us if this is your you know if you just recently started listening to our show because of our super dope guest from our last full episode uh, Dr. Goldie Mohammed, um, you know, we we like to pack in a lot of news, a lot of headlines in the world of education, and of course, really critical conversations with our super super dope guests. So um, this might be your first passing period that you've listened to, and we want to welcome you um, to passing period. We like to take this time to discuss, um, you know, stories and, and things that maybe didn't make it into our full episode. So so Jeff, what are we what are we looking at today?
1: Well, in the spirit, Manuel, of, uh, of really the topic we were just talking about, right? This election season, we wanted to talk about an issue that, you know, is, is a fascinating one. So here in the state of California, there is a, uh, a proposition on the, um, you know, on the ballot Um, In this general election, it is Proposition 18 that, uh, if approved, would grant certain extended voting rights to 17-year-olds in the state of California. So we could be looking at a future where a whole swath of high school students... Get at least to some extent <laughs> the right to vote, right? Um, now there yeah. are some important limitations here, so we want to, we want to kind of like explore this, uh, you know, all the drama around the election through a little bit of a of a more you know youth focused lens, right? And yeah. school focused. I lens.
0: have uh, several several seventeen year olds in all of my classes, so I'm definitely interested in in hearing about this this idea that a seventeen year old can actually vote, Jeff. I mean, I, I that sounds like it's um, in violation of something. I don't know. Break it down for us. What's what's this mean? (laughs) Well,
1: you are correct. It is in violation of the California state constitution currently (laughs) because the current language says a United States citizen who is at least 18 years of age and a resident of the state of California can vote, right? Which is pretty much standard fare in every, you know, in every state across the country. And if you've watched Um, Ava DuVernay's amazing film 13th. You also know all the wonderful ways in which this country has never even tried to live up to that promise. But that's a topic for another episode. For for (laughs) Proposition 18, what it would do is amend that uh, piece of the California state constitution to say the following. A United States citizen who is 17 years of age and is a resident of the state and will be at least 18 years of age at the time of the next general election may vote in any primary or special election that occurs before the next general, general election in which the citizen would be eligible to vote um, if at least 18 years of age. Now, that's a bit of a mouthful, but in a nutshell, what it says is if you're 17 now and you're going to be 18 before the next general election, then you can vote in the primaries or you can vote in special elections. So this is a a thin slice of, you know, of 17-year-olds, right? Right. Um, And and at the same time, also kind of makes perfect sense because if you're going to be able to vote in the general election, shouldn't you also be able to vote in the primary so that you can influence who actually makes it to the general election, right? So it's a very interesting ballot measure. Has not been the subject of all the glossy mailers that have gone <laughs> gone home. <laughs> that there's is no true. rich, there's no rich people getting rich off of giving 17 year olds the right to vote in primaries. Um, but it's it's kind of a fascinating topic, and I think raises this question: Well, which I which I want to get your your insights on as someone who spends a lot of time with like 16 and 17 year olds. Yeah, should they have the right to vote in this country? Should kids, you know, at a certain point have a right to vote?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because I normally have juniors and seniors. So I'm a history teacher for for those who, who don't already know. So I teach history in California, uh, mostly juniors and seniors. So United States history for the juniors and then uh, American government as well as economics for the seniors. And definitely last spring, my seniors, I had several seniors who were um, 17. So they couldn't vote in the primary. And a lot of them, I recall a lot of them being being fans of Bernie Sanders in particular, and not being able to vote in that primary. But they're 18 now. So they'll be, you know, hopefully voting in, in a week or two for for this uh, national election. So yeah, you know, uh, part of me thinks like, it's really unfortunate that they didn't get a say in who their um, candidate would be, you know, for those who who do identify as, as liberal or, or are going to vote for um, a Democrat, they didn't get a say in who, you know, would be the ultimate nominee. Actually, I mean, let's be real, it wasn't going to matter as far as California goes. But still, just that the the fact that they didn't even get an option, I see why it makes sense to allow those 17-year-olds in the spring to go ahead and vote in, in primary elections and special elections if they will be 18 by the time the general election comes around. Makes sense to me. Um, but then you read the The arguments against that. And it's, I mean, it's just funny, like the the arguments against it are kind of hilarious. So I definitely would like to read out some of the some of the arguments against Prop 18, (laughs) um, which are included in the voter information guide. For those of you who are in the state of California and are registered to vote, you know, we get this 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 um, guide sent to us all about each proposition and each item on the ballot, and part of the guide includes, um, you know, arguments for or against each proposition. And the arguments against Prop 18, if I could just read, if you're all right, Jeff, for with me just reading a, a few of them, I think you know maybe some of these are kind of kind of convincing, especially for or uh, you as an educator. So so let me go ahead and read just a couple of the the um arguments here. One is that um seventeen year olds are not legally adults. Um excuse me, actually that's it's, it's written in all caps. So it's more like 17-year-olds are not legally adults, all caps, in italics. The, the um,
1: right-wingers stay yelling, man. They just stay, stay yelling. yelling at us, man. <laughs> it's like, why are you
0: yelling at me in this freaking voter information guide? Um, it also says in italics, 17-year-olds cannot even participate in a school field trip without a permission slip signed by a parent or guardian. Oh, that's That's true. That is true. I don't know personally that that's a super convincing argument for me to be against the idea of 17-year-olds voting. But, you know, ever the supporters of of science, they they bring in some scientific reasoning into their arguments against Prop 18. And in the voter information guide, which I'm reading from, it says, um, California law reflects the scientific evidence that age-related brain development is connected to the ability to reason— analyze and comprehend cause and effect. The agreed upon age of reason, both statewide and nationally, is 18. So Jeff, it's not until you hit that precise, precise age of 18 are you able to to reason. That is the agreed upon age of reason. And it also mentions in the arguments against Prop 18 that um, 17-year-olds are captive audiences in school. Captive audiences. That's that's what we love, definitely as teachers. And it says they are a captive <laughs> audience five days a week, with a strong incentive to do whatever teachers and counselors recommend. So, Jeff, I don't know if you are aware, but um, allowing these 17 year olds to vote in primary elections um, exposes them to this influence from teachers teaching, uh, telling them how to vote. And uh, can't trust those teachers, man. Can't trust no. those teachers. Nope. It's not until these students become 18 that they are free from the indoctrination of our our school system. So yeah, Yeah. really compelling arguments against this proposition, Jeff, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Yes,
1: very compelling. Uh, I think most important in in there is all of the liberal, communist, um, uh, libtard, pencil-neck teachers of the world are, are using their captive audience kids to force them to vote for the libs. Uh,
0: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. uh, So, look, man, I think this amendment, it's so strategically carved that, like, honestly, I don't think there's a compelling uh, argument to be made against it. Like, seriously. If you you vote no on this, like, you're kind of a whack person, I feel like, uh, like, in general. Because we are talking about people who are going to be eligible to vote in the general election. And so, you know, there's just... It's it's a you know, this is not a revolutionary advancement of the franchise in society, but it's a nice it's a nice move. Right. It's an expansion of yeah. democracy. And generally speaking, I support almost all expansions of democracy. Now, there is a line somewhere that needs to be drawn in the sand. Currently, our line still pretty much remains at the age of eighteen, and you know I think there's a certain grain of truth in what the what that opposing argument said around like look there we have science and neuroscience and developmental science to suggest that like You know, people there's a reason young people are not held necessarily like criminally liable for doing really bad mistakes. Right. Um, The same way adults are, because their brains are literally not formed all the way and they don't have as strong a set of executive functioning abilities as they will when they're older. Right. When they're 25 or 35. And so that is real. We're not making that up. And for that reason, there is there is some. There's a strong argument to be made that, like, younger children perhaps don't have the, the reasoning capabilities yet or the, um, you know, the ability to, like, exercise the right to vote with integrity the way that adults do. So I'm willing to buy that. And let me throw something at you here, man. <laughs> so first of all, more than half of the voting white women in this country voted for Donald Trump in 2016 is there an argument to be made <laughs> that this that this group of people is a captive audience to their husbands um, is not able to exercise effectively good, you know, judgment skills when when Mister Grabbin' by the P uh, is the person that they're that they're voting for. Now that I think that's a very paternalistic way to look at the equation, and I would not say we should take away their right to vote. But one could easily look at that situation and be like, "Wow, you're choosing to vote for a person who is a serial predator of of a of a major component of your identity. That doesn't seem." like someone who's exercising good judgment in the process, right? So, I think there are lots of examples like that where we could make a similar argument for other groups of people but we'd feel uncomfortable about it because we say, well that's that's like disrespectful to their, you know, autonomy and their, you know, their like humanity on some level, right? And I think we got to turn that on young people and say like, look, I mean our 16-year-olds can drive cars. Yeah. Like, you can drive around all day, you can get a job and go, you know, work at Target or Wendy's or whatever, right? Like, so they can do that, but they can't be trusted to have a, you know, a sound opinion about politics. Um, you know, I, I just, it's interesting, right. man. It's a really interesting question. I'm glad it's on the ballot here in California.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the the arguments in favor of the proposition point out that, you know, 17-year-olds can enlist in the military and I know myself as a teacher who mostly has juniors and seniors, like a lot of them work, they pay taxes, they, they do all of that. Um, but it's, it, it is interesting that many of the, or it looks like a lot of the folks who are against this proposition are folks who are concerned about the impact on taxes. So they're thinking about, uh, at least according to the the um, literature there, they're thinking about um, special elections and, and, and local tax measures. And uh, long story short, it sounds like they're concerned that um, having more 17-year-olds vote that just might give um, schools and districts sort of the margins that they need to pass uh, local measures to, to boost school funding, because um, it looks like um, Taxpayers Association is one of the lead groups against it. So, um, yeah, it's interesting stuff. But just as a teacher, you know, I, I, I think about the impact that this year's political um, what well, this year's um, election season seems to have on students, and I don't know if other teachers can relate. You know, I'm sure there's folks listening right now who who teach um, high school. I don't know if other teachers can relate, but it just seems like my students this year are so much more politically in tune with uh, current events and with what's going on, and, and a lot of them are are energized in a way that I hadn't seen previously in previous election years. From, from my seniors. I mean, when we started the school year and I was just doing basic like getting to know you type stuff and having them um, complete some tasks that were uh, more for me to learn about them than, than anything. So, so much of what they wrote about was like, you know, abolish ICE, defund the police. And it was a lot of, a lot of really progressive stuff, at least at, at my school, obviously in other schools, um, it'd be something different, but it was just like Man, I don't re- remember seeing this sort of energy coming from students in previous election seasons. And I think that's just a testament to, for one, the, um, the, the, the uprisings of the summer, the protests of the summer for racial justice. A lot of our youth were out there and a lot of our youth were, were paying attention um, and involved in these discussions and are, are showing up to school with um, more of a foundation, more of a background in in matters such as like municipal budgets, for example, and um, it's also a testament to just how loud and crazy um, politics in this country has has become in the in the Trump era. So so yeah, when I look at this and this idea that seventeen year olds would perhaps be allowed to vote in primary elections, I'm all for it because I think they're ready. Because I look at my students and they know what they're talking about; like they're ready. So I I definitely and fully in support. Of, of my students and of the youth being able to go out and and have a say even though you know to your point this is a, a small sliver we're talking about folks who are happen to be 17 during a primary or special election but will be 18 by the time the general election rolls around you know that's a, a small a small sliver of of folks there but still it's a, it's a nice move I mean anybody who's against expanding democracy, um, you always gotta question their intentions. Like, why don't they want the people to have a voice, you know, so, yeah. so there's definitely that. And, you know, speaking of this election season, I just wanna take a moment to just shout out uh, NBC's Kristen Welker because, you know, we had a presidential debate a couple days ago, a couple nights ago. And I had the great, great fortune of uh, speaking with uh, Kristen Welker earlier this year on the phone about like stuff. And, you know, I don't know her personally, but I had a, a, a chance to to speak with her about schools and, and things like that. And she was just the really just the nicest, nicest, nicest um, lady. And, you know, I've spoken to a few journalists over the summer uh, for various reasons. And she definitely seemed to be one of the ones who was more authentically interested in the experience of distance learning and what teachers are going through. So I was really worried, worried about her having to, um, deal with, um, the, the commander in chief up there and, um, (laughs) you know, she did stunning. I I really want to shout her out. Super, super dope.
1: Yeah, I'll i second that. I thought she did, you know, in, in in stepping into the melee that that had previously been the norm, uh she she reined it in a bit, which was which was you know, which was important and helpful from a democracy standpoint, even if we have two ridiculous white men running for president, uh right now. But that's a that's a topic for another episode, man. Well Look at this. um I <laughs>
0: Look at this radical leftist here on this podcast. Uh, y'all might not have caught earlier this episode where he he slipped in um, pencil neck libtard or something yeah, like that. That's, and that's if you stupid. haven't been that's been with the- our show for for very long, um, you might not get that that reference. But uh, you know, earlier in our our first season, <laughs> I I had a piece where I spoke out in support of our. Uh, DACA youth and you know obviously um, they're not all young anymore a lot of them have, have grown up but um, when the president was coming for, um, for DACA uh, you know we did a piece on our show about it and about how many teachers seem to agree with the, the president and in any case in the comments um, I might have been called a, a pencil neck um, and I might have been called a lip-tard by by a few you know well reasoned, folks. I'm sure. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. A few so, i people not going that down for sure.
1: Have the right to vote right now. Okay. So, true. <laughs> so, so as we think about who's maybe not you know mature enough or sophisticated yeah. enough to have the right to vote, we got grown ass people calling you libtard who yes. d- never met you uh, <laughs> on the internet, right? Yes. So, um, yeah, I. You know, I think, man, well, I want to go back to that, that point you named earlier, right? Which is like the, the argument against Proposition 18 is like, you know, uh, there's taxes at stake, and adults are the people who pay taxes, and, you know, the, the kids might vote for stuff that their parents then have to pay taxes on. And I would challenge that on a couple of levels. First of all, there's a whole lot of 17 year olds that have jobs. Um, Mm -hmm. and, or at least in a normal economy time, I don't know if right now with Corona, this many of them do, but in normal times, a lot of 17 year olds have a part-time job of some sort. Um, and they're, and they're all paying taxes for sure. Um, many of them paying more taxes than our current president. Okay. Um, and they are, you know. So is our argument that taxation without representation for them is a, you know, is a good thing? Like it's not good for everyone else, but it's are they the right. like Washington D.C. and Puerto Rico of 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 the age spectrum here, <laughs> right? Like uh, they're paying taxes, they should have a right to say what those taxes go to, and if they happen to want, you know, better equipment at their schools or more teachers at their schools or whatever. Like, how's that any different than rich people with nice houses wanting, you know, property tax cuts? Like, people vote for their interests, and if kids have interests, if they want a skate park or more money for, you know, public programs or whatever, good for them. Like, they should vote for those things, right? Like, isn't that how democracy works, man?
0: No, I I, got to point out, again, reading directly from the arguments against Prop 18, Mm-hmm. If 17-year-olds are allowed to vote in primary and special elections, perhaps even filling out a mail-in ballot right in the classroom, right, right. in the classroom, Jeff. Yes. The horror, the horror of registering <laughs> to vote in your American government class. Jeff, that is a dystopian, dystopian future there, man. Yeah.
1: Uh, it, it, I I mean, imagine the horror, right? Imagine yes. the horror. The other thing is, and and I will throw in there, While I do agree we have developmental science that says, look, there is probably a compelling, you know, developmental scientific reason to to not want people who are too low on the developmental spectrum to have the responsibility to vote. But let's also be real. People don't really fully mature, right, in terms of the development of their, you know, reasoning and judgment and that sort of thing until well past the age of 18, right? particularly men, uh, mature at a slower rate even than women, right? So we're talking like maybe from that standpoint, the voting age should be like 25 or (laughs) or 27 or something, right? Now, I don't think anyone wants that to be the case. So if we're letting 18-year-olds, right? There's plenty of foolish 18-year-olds out there who do reckless things, right? Uh, (laughs) Who have the right to vote. I honestly think, I, I think I would probably be in the camp of lowering the voting age to 16 um, in this country and saying, like, if you can drive and you can have a driver's license, right, um, then you should be able to vote. And and also, in every state, when you're 16, you can work. A lot of those kids do have jobs, right? So we bring in the kind of taxation issue. That would be where I stand. You know, I'm not, like, out in the streets marching for the 16-year-old franchise, right? But... Um, <laughs> But if that were a movement and they were on the ballot, I think I'd support it, man. I think I would.
0: All right, all right. Radical leftist
1: stuff. Yeah, it's, you know, communist propaganda, but uh, what's new here on uh, libtard, all of the above? (laughs) Yes,
0: indeed. (laughs) Oh, man, that was that was... Folks, all I was doing was saying, like, if you're going to be a teacher, you need to love and support all of your students, whether they're documented or not. Like, that was the controversial view of that that video or that episode um yeah man
1: i think those people said you 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 are warping the minds of students every day with your with your liberal propaganda yes (laughs) well that's that's uh i'm sure that's that was like your objective on the board right you were like students will be able to (laughs) uh
0: uh, yeah. Basically, basically, and one of them actually, one of the comments from that particular video was so great that I I had to make it the um the the header for my Twitter profile. Um, somebody commented, "quote This guy is wrongly educated, but his literacy and his appearance could be deceiving." End quote. So it's just you know <laughs> interesting comments. I guess I guess I guess he was saying I was wrong on that issue, but. Because of my apparent literacy and my appearance, um, folks could be deceived into thinking that I knew what I was talking about. I it was such a bizarre comment, really bizarre. <laughs> this is an odd like, comment. You know what? Yeah. I'm gonna hold on to this one. I'm gonna hold <laughs> yeah. on to this one because I think he might not realize it, but he's complimenting my literacy in speaking yes. in a video yes. and um, my appearance, which you know the other comments were not complimenting my appearance. Um, so yeah, my my neck, I guess, is 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 not the the thick muscular neck of a a, a smart conservative, I suppose. So pencil neck, it is. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey Jeff, man, we just crossed 1,000 1, Twitter followers. Word, loving it. Word, word. The tweets. So shout and the out twitters. to all of you who might happen to be on Twitter. Uh, follow us at AOTA Show, and we're on Facebook. I. I avoid Facebook because of that um, toxicity of folks calling me pencil neck. Um, not that Twitter is like, you know, a nice friendly place, <laughs> but anyways, we're on Facebook too. Also yeah. at AOTA show.
1: Hey, man, well, I, 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 b- before we finish up here, man, before we finish up. So we're at 1,000. That's great. Huge milestone for us. So we want to give props to everybody who helped us get there. And. The great thing about having that many followers is they can help you get a lot more followers. So I'm saying to those thousand wonderful, lovely individuals, what would happen if you reached out to like three people and were like, hey, man, check out the show. It's dope. Follow it here. Right. Like that would take you 30 seconds and that could, you know, triple or more. The amazing community of people who who follow and participate in conversations with us on all the above. So, you know, it's it's Saturday. Uh, I mean, at least we make this show on Saturday. You may be listening (laughs) on another day, but you got 30 seconds to send it out, man. Send us out. Send it out to some people. Show us some love.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that is that is a a, a compelling argument, Jeff. It's well reasoned, and you did not need to use all caps and italics to uh, get that point across. Although maybe at the end there was some all caps. Uh,
1: there might have been. You could have all caps a little, but it was a loving all caps, not a yes. not a berating all caps.
0: Yes. Yes, indeed, indeed, important distinction there. Um, All right, folks, So that about does it for this episode of Passing Period. We will be back at you one week from now with a full episode with a super, super dope guest from Harvard, from Harvard, uh, Dr. Christina Villarreal, who is the... The director of the teacher, uh, teacher education program at the Harvard Graduate School of Education uh, will be joining us to discuss the her use and her um, role in connection to ethnic studies, uh, particularly at the graduate level, in the uh, service of of educating the next generation of of teachers and educators. So it'll be a really really dope fascinating conversation definitely if you haven't already make sure you subscribe follow give us those five stars we fully fully really really truly appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts and um that about does it for today so um it's time to get to class